Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Why I Hate This Movie. He is Niels. She is Heather. We are married, and we like really different movies, which means that we tend to hate movies that the other person loves. Each episode, we are going to be discussing a movie, what we liked, what we hated, and why the other person is wrong. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of Why I Hate This Movie. Today, we're going to dig into a new movie and something that I think we can really sink our teeth into. Heather, what are we What are we talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about the original Jurassic Park. That's right. I can't wait to talk about it. But speaking about sinking our teeth into something, what is our snack of the day? We like to we like to do a appropriately themed snack with every movie we review. What are we having today? Well, I was thinking, what? would be an appropriate Jurassic Park snack. And the first thing that came to my mind was a throwback from childhood. If you are a child of the 80s or 90s, you may remember dinosaur egg oatmeal. It's instant oatmeal. I think Quaker Oats makes it. And you pour it into your bowl, and there's these little eggs, which are basically just compacted oatmeal. But around the oatmeal are these little tiny gummy dinosaurs. And you heat it up. And then the egg sort of dissolves away, and you're left with these little gummy dinosaurs. Niels had never heard of this snack. I don't remember this. This is a uh, this is a fancy person microwavable oatmeal. <laughs> this is some real bougie Quaker stuff. I remember this from my childhood. Um, so I was like, I wonder if they have that. And sure enough, they do. Got it at Target today. So we're gonna try the dinosaur themed oatmeal now. Our oatmeal has been sitting for a few minutes, so all of the eggs have hatched and the dinosaurs are so tiny but the dinosaurs i remember them being gummy these aren't gummy these are hard they're like a candy almost delicious definitely kid food i can't imagine serving this to a grown-up so we'll give our our review on this (laughs) at the end (laughs) the end so as Heather mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing the original Jurassic Park, the 1993 mega hit. This is timed with the release of the new Jurassic World movie, Jurassic World Dominion, which is off to a hot start at the box office right now. That brings back together some of the original cast with some of the new cast. And so Heather, what is Jurassic Park? Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's definitely what you would call, I guess, a popcorn flick. There's a lot of jump scares, especially at the end, but it also briefly touches on some pretty interesting themes about just because we are capable of doing something, should we do it? And I feel like Jeff Goldblum's character even says that in the movie at some point, just because you're capable of doing something doesn't mean that you should. So some interesting ethical questions, some interesting scientific questions, but also just a really fun romp of a movie, a lot of jump scares. And it's a movie that's 30 years old next year, Mm -hmm. 30 years old. Can you, you want to give us a brief summary of what it is for the, um, all the people who haven't seen it yet? Well, if you haven't seen it yet, I feel like you probably shouldn't (laughs) be listening to any podcasts because you're maybe under 10. Or if they haven't seen it in 30 years. So there is a scientist and he has created, well, I actually don't think he's a scientist. I don't know what that man is. David Attenborough or Richard Attenborough. 
I don't know what he is. He's some sort of inventor type person. Yeah, he's like a wealthy, a wealthy business person, business person who's decided to use his resources to create a theme park about cloned dinosaurs. Right. So they find an uh, mosquito encased in amber, and they are able to extract dinosaur DNA from the mosquito. They take the dinosaur DNA, they splice it with some frog DNA, and they start to clone these dinosaurs. Their objective is to only have females in the park so that there's no breeding because they want to be able to do everything in a very controlled way. But as Jeff Goldblum tells us, life finds a way. I'd say it takes a little while for this movie to really become the Jurassic Park that you think of when you say Jurassic Park. Yeah, I definitely did not remember the first 15 minutes of it. I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to throw out some terms here or things that came to mind in the first 40 minutes of this movie. Liability lawsuits. <laughs> Insurance. Expert testimonials. Corporate espionage. And investor investigations. Those are the, I guess, the the pieces that set up the movie to to get where it's going. Yeah. But I'm I kind of forgot about a lot of that yeah, stuff. I had forgotten about all of that. Like it starts with a a worker at the at Jurassic Park. They're unloading a dinosaur, and that worker gets eaten. Eaten. As as people in the movies do, and. His family sues the Jurassic Park company, and that, I missed that part completely. Yeah, his no, his family he's, sues. When was that? That's what the lawyer is. Is that's why the lawyer is there? Oh. His family is suing them for twenty million dollars because he got eaten by a dinosaur, and so oh. because of that, I that that completely that causes some consternation from the investors in the theme park. And so then they send this lawyer to investigate to make sure that everything's on the up and up, that this is like there hasn't been some investor uh, fraud or anything like that. So all of that legal stuff sets up the T-Rex attacks and all this other stuff. I had no idea. I thought they were just showing us that dinosaurs are dangerous. Here, look, it's going to eat a guy. I, I, I did not connect any of those dots. I thought the lawyer was just there because... Lawyers are plot foils and they show up in things and they're easily expendable because no one likes them. So, of course, the first guy to get eaten is going to be the lawyer. But I did not connect any of those dots. So thank you. For so that. so the uh, the wealthy business person who creates Jurassic Park is, is uh, the actor Richard Attenborough, whose character's name is John Hammond. And we are we're taking special care to use names of characters in this episode. Because... <laughs> I wouldn't know any of them. I still couldn't. If Niels hadn't written them down on actual paper, I couldn't tell you the name of any single character in this movie. So he brings in, so John Hammond, the wealthy business person, brings in, well, the lawyer is coming to investigate the park. Uh The lawyer brings Jeff Goldblum's character, Ian Malcolm. Do you know why? Because he's a skeptic, because he is going to be looking at it with a skeptical perspective. So he's going to be shooting holes through like all the things that he thinks are unsafe or um you know un the movie says he is a chaos statistician chaos statistician yes. which i don't know if it's a real thing i know chaos theory is a real thing but i don't know if a chaos statistician is a real thing but regardless it, it tracks for the movie mm-hmm. and then to help his side of things john hammond brings in the two paleontologists one is a botano paleontologist yeah. Al- the Al- woman alan grant the um the paleontologist uh and then his Girlfriend? Partner something. 
Ellie Sattler, Laura Dern's character, who is a paleobotanist. Paleobotanist. With the idea that they're going to help, you know, they're going to be so in awe of all the dinosaurs and everything that they're going to support his side of it. Yeah, so. I missed that <laughs> setup completely. I had no idea why. I didn't even think to ask, why are these people together? I just thought... You know, make a fun movie. Put Jeff Goldblum. You got to have some scientists. <laughs> well, that's the first forty minutes of the movie is basically setting that stuff up, and and there's Newman. Yes, Newman's there. Yeah, who is going to be what double crossing the institution of Jurassic Park by selling off some embryos? Mm-hmm. There's the corporate espionage part of it. That's the corporate espionage part. Mm. So. It took a little while to to get this thing going. It took about 20, 20 minutes to get to like the first like full on dinosaur scene. You see a little bit in the very first scene. You see a little bit of a dinosaur through, like dinosaur eyes through a cage. Yeah. But that scene where they're like driving through the park and everybody pulls off their sunglasses to to take a look at this uh, brachiosaurus next to them. <laughs> that was that was about 20, 20 minutes into the movie, so to get your first good look at the dinosaur. Yeah. But it's a great scene. It's a good scene. It's a nice build up to it. That's when you first see the dinosaur, full fledged dinosaur, and then it's probably I don't know, maybe like an hour into it before you get to like the the T Rex. Yeah, the the dinosaurs busting out of the the cages, and and to be fair, after that, it's just like a. Once it's a chase it, movie. Once that, that once that train gets rolling, it's 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 pretty nonstop. It's jump scares every couple minutes. Yeah. Chase chase scenes. I have to say, the dinosaurs. I haven't seen this movie. I don't think since I saw it in theaters thirty years ago. Dinosaurs held up spectacularly. The first dinosaurs we see are the brachiosauruses, and they look very CGI-ish, like green screened in. Especially, they do a shot across across a pond across a pond. And it looks it looks kind of grainy. And... Yeah, it looks kind of grainy. So at first I was like, oh, man, maybe this won't hold up well. And then you have the dinosaur hatching scene, which is very sweet and cute. <laughs> a little dinosaur, a little velociraptor is hatching. Totally looks like a toy the kids had had once. And that is a little bit like Muppety a little bit with mm-hmm. the, like the egg is kind of rolling back and forth. The dinosaur kind of goes Meh, and cracks out of the egg and mm-hmm. a little bit Muppety. I was like, okay, but then when you get to the big guy, the T-Rex, who I think is a girl, it looks fantastic. Fantastic. It could have been made last year. Yeah. How do you how do you think that they did the, the special effects for the I have no idea. in this movie? I have no <laughs> idea. Had to guess. I mean, you would think it had to be animatronics at some point because they do actually have to physically interact with some of the Yeah. But it didn't look like they just superimposed a CGI thing in there. Like it mm. looked I don't know, but yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah, so this was a it was a combination of CGI, the best in class CGI at the time, and life size animatronics. And apparently, originally they were going to do it with animatronics and like a stop motion special effects. Oh, and it, apparently like claymation. Yeah, something like that. Maybe, maybe with like figures. Yeah, it might not oh, have been clay, but that would have been yeah, with figures. Yeah, apparently, it didn't look very good. And then yeah. one one of the special I effects super one of the special effects supervisors said to the director, um, "You know, I think we could do this with with computer graphics." And he said, "Prove it." And it came out. It came out really good. So I I tried to pay special attention to it. I was like, when is this animatronic? When is this CGI? I had a really hard time telling the Raptors. And the T Rex when when it was CGI 
I just had to assume sometimes if it was a full body shot of a giant T-Rex, that's that's not an animatronic. Yeah, I didn't know any of that, so I wasn't looking for any of that. But I do think, I think the T-Rex was the best, but I also think most of her scenes are at night. Mm-hmm. So it might, you know, cover over a few yeah, sins. the rain and the night. The yeah. velociraptors are more in the day. Mm-hmm. So they're a little bit not as convincing, but still, they're like 90% of the way there for me. Yeah. You have the big triceratops who's like sick on the ground and they like really interact with her physically. Like they lay on top of her, they're touching her head and all this stuff. I thought she was really done pretty good. Yeah, that was surely an animatronic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. Does that mean they have the T Rex somewhere in like a studio? T Rex head? Like the whole body? Like, (laughs) I don't know. Does that mean it's somewhere? Or maybe parts of it. Yeah, maybe like a claw here. Yeah, I bet they do. That would be amazing. Yeah, so I th- yeah I, I agree with you. I think it all looks really good, and, and the the animatronic part of it looks fantastic. When yeah. you have a T Rex head butting up against a Jeep, it yeah, it just it, looks it, real. It, it looks like it could have been made last year. I don't, I don't really understand that because you know technology has come so far in thirty years, mm-hmm. and you see some movies that are made today that don't look as good as that. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. How I do they think did that. it's a it makes a good case for the use of practical. Effects. Makes a good case for the use of Spielberg <laughs> in every movie. It, dep- <laughs> it, de- it depends on the Spielberg movie. But it does make a good case for the use of practical effects because you don't – I think a lot of movies today have kind of leaned in more towards just do everything with CGI. And I wonder – it's been a while since I've seen the newer Jurassic movies. I, I think we only saw Jurassic World. I didn't see the other two after that. But I feel like they're probably leaning really heavily on using the CGI instead of the – and like practical effects or animatronics, the animatronics look great. Yeah. What did you think about the um, the whole theme park aspect of oh man of, of the movie? Sign me up. We talk about this all the time. You know, there's lots of things on the horizon. There's space tourism. I'm not interested in that. There's um, flying cars. I don't really care about that. You tell me that someone cloned a mastodon or a woolly mammoth. I will go to that country. Wherever it is, that's what I want to see. I want to see the dinosaurs. I want to see the clones of the dinosaurs in the zoo. It doesn't even have to be a full-on dinosaur. I'll take a mammoth. I'll take a mastodon. I'll take a saber-toothed tiger. That is what I am here for in terms of science. I want the dinosaurs. You know, one of the th- best things I think about this movie is it does seem like this is a kind of realistic way that if cloning or being able to reintroduce dinosaurs back into the the modern world were possible. I feel like it would very possibly be like this. It, it just feels. Oh, it would absolutely be like this. A hundred percent. It would be some, some person, some Elon Musk type pushing <laughs> just, just with a lot of money to spend, just pushing for some advance in science that we're not really ready for and monetizing that ASAP. Absolutely. Think and about. that begs the question, why haven't they? Why haven't the Gateses and Muskses and the Amazon guys of the world, why haven't they? Haven't they what? Pushed to make this happen. You hear all the time about how scientists in China are like working with cloning, you know, things because they don't have, to my knowledge, the rules around cloning that we have, the laws. They're much more like wide open in terms of what they can do and experiment with. So why hasn't some really rich dude or woman put their money towards Making dinosaurs. 
probably scientific limitations. I don't know that really? the, the science is there. I know I was promised 10 years ago a woolly mammoth. I was promised flying cars when I was like 10. And Well, I remember ten, all we have is drones. 10 years ago or so them saying we've got... You know, we were able to extract woolly mammoth DNA from this, you know, this, yeah, this frozen find, and uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna clone this, and we're gonna put this in an, an elephant, and we're gonna bring back the woolly mammoth. Where's my woolly mammoth? Where is my woolly mammoth? Damn it! I feel like there's probably some underground lab somewhere in China, maybe Japan, <laughs> with what maybe dinosaurs? Germany or Russia? Yeah, that's experimenting. I feel like maybe not full on dinosaurs, but definitely like a mammoth. I feel like they've probably tried that and I don't know, maybe obviously not have been successful, but I feel like I feel like they're not at the beginning of that research because we've cloned animals. We clone animals all the time. That's mm. not uncommon anymore. Yeah. Well, I thought they did a, a pretty good job with the way they they showed the theme park. I thought it was fun funny that they would get in the cars, the jeeps, they would go to the exhibits and it's like going to the zoo and you don't see you don't see the tiger at the zoo. And they couldn't. They you couldn't don't see the tiger at the zoo. They couldn't see the T right. Rex. They couldn't draw out the T Rex. They couldn't see any of the dinosaurs when they went on the ride. And that's that's probably how it would go too. They had their interactive CD ROMs in the car, which <laughs> yeah. was pretty, pretty low low tech, pretty good. Well, I mean, for the '90s, it was fine. Yeah, I think it's exactly how it would go. And I think that some of the theme park rides that exist now, based on Jurassic Park. Have like that opening scene with the doors that open, mm-hmm. and Jeff Goldblum's character says something like, "What are they hiding back there, King Kong?" Because it's like these giant doors with like the torches lining the sides, and mm-hmm. yeah. This is our second movie with Jeff Goldblum, man. We're two episodes in, and two Jeff Goldblum movies it. away. Next week we'll do the Fly, maybe. He's great. <laughs> no, he's great. I don't know. You know, he just brings a little something. Yeah, brings a little quirkiness. He's um, quirky you know, hilarity. He, like like in Independence Day, he's uh, he's he's just mumbling his science mumbo jumbo throughout the film, <laughs> but with a little bit more of a creep vibe in this one. A little bit. Yeah, he's a little bit. They call him. They refer to him as a rock star in the movie. Yeah. So I guess you know a rock star among chaos statisticians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also had um, Samuel L. Jackson too was in the yes in a smaller role. Samuel L. Jackson has a cigarette in his mouth the whole time, just I, delivering every single line I with a cigarette probably, dangling out of his mouth. Yeah, I think this was probably before Pulp Fiction. Huh? I think this might it be a, might have been a year before Pulp Fiction. I think that was ninety four. He does not survive to the end of the movie. Yeah, he doesn't. But he did a great job. Apparently, there was supposed to be they were gonna film a extended scene where he gets like chased and killed. But there was an actual tropical storm or something like that that actually destroyed the set. So when they were supposed to come back and and do that scene, the set had been destroyed. And they're just like, let's just cut it out. Another fun fact I learned, because I watched two seconds of the credits, is that Michael Crichton wrote the screenplay. I've never read the book. But I know it was going around when we were in like seventh grade. Mm -hmm. People were like passing that around. Yeah. Did you ever read the book? I didn't, no. I kind of want to read the book. But the screenplay was very, I thought it was great. Yeah, the details behind that are, obviously Michael Crichton was a known author before this came out. But before the book was even published, some like movie studios had gotten wind of it. And there was a bidding war before the book was even published amongst four studios with like four pretty big name directors trying to get the rights to this movie. Hmm. And... As part of the deal that he negotiated, he negotiated. He, I think, he sold the rights to the to the movie for like one and a half million dollars, 
And then he negotiated, I guess, is maybe like the extra extra cherry on top that he would get the opportunity to write the screenplay for another $500,000. That's it? So he wrote the screenplay, and then it got rewritten like a couple times after that, but he gets credit, you know, because he did the original draft of it. But okay. it, got, it got rewritten like multiple times and okay. after that. Well, in the book, it begs the question, do they have this whole backdrop of like espionage and the corporate stuff and the lawyer. Is that all in the book? Probably. Yeah, I would guess so. Probably. Apparently the book is is a good bit more violent too, but they had to tone some of the violence down just because... Children. Children. Yeah. Speaking of violence, it's really not bad. You know, we were thinking, should we let our children watch this? Our oldest being 11, the next one under him is 10. Ah, I don't know. I feel like the end gets a little bit scene after scene of like jump scares and chase scenes and it's a little adrenaline filled. It is, yeah. So if your kids aren't used to that, I would say, oh, I don't know. And there is a lot of traumatized children in this movie. <laughs> well, there's only two children, but they're traumatized most of the movie. Yeah. What did you think about the the kid actors? I feel like as we go through this many episodes of this podcast, I'm going to be pretty hard on some child actors as I go through this. <laughs> they were fine. I thought the boy was better than the girl. Yeah. But they were fine. You know, all they really, all the girl really had, really had to do was scream. Just scream and look traumatized. And look traumatized. Yeah. Which she did a great job of doing she those did. things. The boy was fine. They no. were not a distraction. Sometimes kid actors can be no. an, a real distraction. They from were the not movie. overly precocious. They were not overly Disney-fied in terms of overly emotive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to me, they acted like how children would act should they be traumatized by dinosaurs. A plus for the kid actors. Yeah, I thought they did a good job. You know, I was thinking this movie is like when we were talking about Michael Crichton, I know he had written a movie in the 70s or something like that called Westworld. And that's a show. It's a show now. It's an HBO show that's ongoing now, but he had written the original movie for that, which is about a theme park where people People go there. It's it's a Western-themed theme park with cowboys and stuff, mm-hmm. with animatronics, uh, characters and things like that. And it's supposed to be immersive, and you're, like, playing a part and everything in it. And then the and then the robots go crazy. And that's not supposed to happen? That's, like, not part of the... Yeah, yeah. And then, and then like, yeah, and then the robots, I guess, start really killing people or something. Oh, like fun. That. So kind of some parallels, right, to, to Jurassic Park in the sense that there's this, like, theme park gone wrong. I like the whole idea of a theme park gone wrong. I like that idea. I I mean, there's so many things you can do with that, so many places you can go with that. That's a great genre. It actually makes me want to look more into books or movies that are more like theme park gone wrong. Because mm. it's fun. You know, like, what's creepier than an old abandoned theme park? Yeah. What's scarier than, like, a theme park gone wrong? Because the whole thing with theme parks is you go there to get a safe thrill, right? Like... Right. Any kind of ride you're on, like you, your brain thinks it's scary, but you can override your baser instincts to be like, oh, well, we're in a safe environment. Everything is controlled. Sure. But when things start to go wrong, I mean, that's really terrifying. Yeah. That's why one of the, the best episodes of The Simpsons is where they go to Itchy and Scratchy land and the <laughs> Itchy and Scratchy robots uh, start attacking everybody. Well, I know there is a thing on Instagram where people go into abandoned theme parks and just like take pictures. Yeah. Of all of the I think they even did it with Jazz Land in Louisiana. Yeah, I think there's a there's all a movie the... there's a movie about it, right? Oh, somebody somebody I don't recommended know. the movie. Maybe we need to watch it. So let's 
let's nitpick a little bit. Okay. <laughs> this is this is a this is a pretty awesome movie, and so this this is where we get nitpicky. Where did where did everybody go? And once like <laughs> the stuff the the stuff started to go down, there was you you get there. There's a bunch of scientists. And... Well, they had to leave the island because they come over the intercom and they were like, the last shuttle off the island leaves oh, in five okay. minutes. Like, they don't live there. Okay. They just come in to work there. All right. But. So they did. Exp- I thought that was a plot hole that they just, everybody just disappears when dinosaurs no, start running muck. And... They just leave for okay. the day. So they left. My first thought upon waking this morning was, what happened to the sick Triceratops? Yeah. Yeah. We have this whole story. And like, they make. They repeat it multiple times every six weeks. She does this. Mm-hmm. Every six weeks, she goes down and gets delusional and, like, you know, basically in this semi-comatose, tired state. Yeah. And so Laura Dern's scrounging around in poop looking for berries of some kind to see if it could pharmacologically have hurt her. But that's it. Yeah. It's but like, a... why mention every six weeks numerous times if you're not going to... Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a plot point that doesn't go anywhere. And... Yeah. I don't. I don't know what happened there. I don't know if they ended up cutting a strand of of story in the editing process. But yeah, I thought about that too. It's like where it seemed like seems like that's supposed to go somewhere, and in the end, it only functions as a plot device to separate some of the characters. For oh uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I, it does seem like maybe they cut something out in in, okay. in the production in the post production. The the other the other thing that I thought was like okay, they introduced this plot point and it doesn't really go anywhere within the context of the movie is when. They discovered the dinosaur eggs on the ground outside in the park, in the wild part yeah. of the park. Right. It it seems like that's gonna lead to something within the movie. It does have like a thematic point, which is that life life finds a way, right? That sure. you know, that that man cannot control nature. But plot wise, it felt like that was gonna go somewhere. It doesn't go anywhere in this movie. No. But I think that's probably something that gets picked up on in in the sequels. Like well, did do you know this? Do you know if they had already planned on a sequel, like as this movie was being filmed? Because the way it ended, you feel like they did. Because there's no like, well, what happens to the island? Like they, everybody leaves, right? They just let it be forever, or mm-hmm. like I'm sure they left it open for for sequels purposely. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they you know planned it because I don't know if they knew it'd be a success or not. Yeah. But I'm sure they left it open for that reason. Okay. Yeah, another plot point. The grandpa didn't seem overly I mean, he was always like, Where's the children? But he wasn't like going insane. Like he seemed more concerned about the failure of his park yeah. than the fact that his grandchildren were potentially getting eaten by giant dinosaurs. And I thought, you know, I mean, obviously he's not a good guy per se. Mm-hmm. He's like probably your most multi-layered character in the whole movie in terms of you like him a little bit and then you dislike him a little bit. Yeah. And I would say that's probably a thing too about this movie is the 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 characterization is pretty flat, you know, there's there's some story arcs for people, but you know, you've got the uh the paleontologist who who likes to dig and hates children. <laughs> you've got the uh his partner, the paleo the botno paleontologist who Likes to dig and wants, wants him to love children. Wants children, yeah. <laughs> you have, like, in every horror movie, the black guy that gets killed. That's yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's role. He's yeah. the black guy that gets killed. You have the sniveling, blood-sucking lawyer. Snivling, and you have the sniveling, blood-sucking Newman. Yeah. yeah. So, I and yeah, you're right. I think maybe, you know, maybe for John Hammond, the owner of the park, he's there is a little bit more nuance there. 
I don't. Yeah, I think they kind of go back and forth between him, you know, worrying about the children and then commiserating over the failure of his park. It's a lot of stuff, a lot of emotions to to get through in a day. Yeah. Some great scenes, though, like the water glass vibrating. Like that's like to me an iconic movie scene. Yeah. I think because I have some sort of fragmented memory where they used that in like a Taco Bell commercial in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. It's like the water, like in the cup, like vibrating. Yeah. And the jello is vibrating. Oh. There's a lot of vibrations. I yeah. mean, this movie's full of iconic scenes. No. Like the dinosaur with the eye in the car window. At the end, when the when the T Rex like shows up at the end to like get rid of the Velociraptors, yeah. and like all the the banner comes down over it because it like fell from the ceiling, the Jurassic Park banner that's mm-hmm. in like the you know I main mean, level. A lot, a lot of great shots, a lot of great scenes. Yeah, the, the action in here is great. The the stuff with the T Rex and the Jeep, it's pretty grip, pretty gripping, and it really holds up really well in terms of the 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 suspense of those action scenes. Yeah, the end, I thought, like, the last five minutes got a little bit, like, much. Which one? Which well, part of it? because you have, Where like... running away from the, the raptor? The scene with Laura Dern's character in, like, the control room where she finds Samuel L. Jackson's severed arm. And that segues directly into the scene in, like, the kitchen area with the kids. Mm-hmm. And then you have the scene with all the people in, like, the main lobby area. Yeah. And then you have the scene with them going off the giant skeletons that were articulated skeletons, like, swinging from the skeletons. That part felt... It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. It's very extended. It's a lot, but... Uh, I th- I think it still holds up, you know, really well. And, and I like the way. I mean, it's, it was it's a, a lot little, of fun. It was a little cheesy, but I liked the way they had the T Rex come back as like a nod to the audience, mm-hmm. like she's back. And takes care of the Velociraptors. That was pretty good. What do you think about overall the, the the variety of dinosaurs that we saw in this movie? You know, I wanted more. As a child, I was a fan of the Brontosaurus, which no longer That's exists. not a thing. I know, but that's... it was, and that was my favorite. You sound ignorant when you say that. Well, that was my favorite <laughs> one. And, you know, now it was replaced with Brachiosaurus. Fine. I would have liked more plant eaters. I, I love the Stegosauruses, Triceratops, all the, what do they call yeah, the Brachiopods, was... like the big Brachiosaurus, Apatosauruses, uh-huh. love those. There was no, yeah, there was no Stegosaurus. That's the surprise. There was no flying dinosaurs. No flying dinosaurs. They do get to that in some of the other movies. Absolutely. They yeah, do. but you know, your Tyrannosaurus is fine. I actually, so two points of this. I watched a Wired autocomplete interview with some paleontologist guy, and he said a couple things. He said number one, Tyrannosaurus rexes, as far as we know, don't hunt by vision. Like this whole premise of she can't see you if you stand still is not a thing. Like she could absolutely see you. So how do they hunt? Like in packs, I think. T-Rexes? Yeah, supposedly. And also velociraptors, supposedly, they greatly increased their size to make them seem more threatening for this movie. Mm -hmm. Like a velociraptor is only like three and a half, four feet tall. They're not like these six and a half foot tall giant things. All right. So here's my complaint. I feel like this movie started this like cult of velociraptors. Yeah. I had never heard of a raptor before this movie. Had you no, heard of a raptor no. before this? No, I knew I knew T Rex and I knew Allosaurus. Then so they get this huge part in this movie and all the other Jurassic movies, they're they're like one of the two main dinosaurs, you have the T Rex and the Velociraptors. You got NBA basketball teams named after raptors now. Oh, I know. That. Yeah, as and I had never even heard of a raptor before now, this. I was a dinosaur kid. <clears throat> I went through a, a pretty big dinosaur phase. Never saw a raptor. 
I'm, and all my dinosaur books are raptor was not a thing. So we get all this raptor stuff, and my favorite childhood dinosaur, the Diplodocus, is Aww, nowhere Diplodocus. nowhere to be found. Yeah. It's an outrage. I'm sorry. Maybe the next one. Jeff Goldblum. He has the best lines in the movie. Aside from being from saying, um, life finds a way, which is like his catchphrase from the movie. Sure. He says that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Love that. And he also called it the rape of the natural world, what they were doing in the theme park. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was pretty good. I really like as a person who enjoys thinking about philosophical and ethical questions. I really liked that side of the movie. Like, I feel like if they had taken that out, the movie would have just been a bunch of jump scares and chase scenes. So I like that they had a little bit of a thinking person's bend to this movie. Yeah, and I think that's definitely the the ultimate perspective of the movie, is that, again, just because you you have the, the ability to do something doesn't mean you should do it. Yeah. I think that's the ultimate takeaway here. Mm-hmm. We can take that message going forward into the future. Also, John Williams is great. Yeah. So what did you think about the score to this it's movie? It's great. It's, it's the memorable. The man is a genius. It's it's totally memorable. Every Every music score that I can think of. That's memorable. That's memorable. Is, is, John is probably John Williams, other than maybe like The Godfather. Yeah, is, is John Williams. It's, it's, did, he, did he do Titanic? No. No. That was good. Which is more proof. More proof of his greatness. <laughs> we need to do that more. <laughs> um, how do you think this movie did at the box office? Oh, gosh. Was it a summer movie? It was a summer movie, yeah. Um, I don't know numbers like that. Yeah, but just, uh, I good, would say probably like okay, bad. top 10 movies of all time yeah. at the time. It did phenomenally well at the box office. It did uh, $357 million in the U.S., total of 978 million worldwide that was at the time the highest total ever for a movie so wow. it was the number one box office movie uh until titanic came wow uh, i didn't know that okay. so yes it was it was huge and it won three academy awards it won three academy awards for for, for visual effects okay. and two for sound design okay sure this movie came out. Okay, so do you know who directed this movie? Spielberg. Yes. Do you know who Steven Spielberg is? I do. Okay, good. This he, mo- did e. he did E.T. He did E.T. What else did he do? He did Saving Private Ryan. Yes, he did. Terrifying. Well, I don't know if we'll ever be able yeah, to review that movie. But... We, can, we can dig into that later. Um, what else did Spielberg do? Did he do Hook? He did do Hook. Yeah. I like all of his like kid-themed movies. Yeah. He also did Jaws, which is probably thematically maybe the closest. Oh, we should do Jaws. The closest movie I've seen Jaws once in his repertoire to this, yeah, and Indiana Jones and oh yeah, yeah. many many things. But this movie, Jurassic Park, nineteen ninety three, came out the same year as Schindler's List. What? So that year he did both these. Well, he didn't. I guess he didn't complete them both. In no, he didn't. He did. He did Hook, and then he went from Hook to Schindler's List. No, <laughs> so the to Jurassic Park. Okay, he wanted to do Schindler's List after that, and the studio was like. We will get the rights to Jurassic Park if you do Jurassic Park first, and then you can, and then you can do Schindler's List. Uh-huh. So he did it that way. Okay. And then while he was like supervising post production of Jurassic Park while he was filming Schindler's List. Okay. So that year, he won the Oscar for Best Director for Schindler's List, uh-huh. and John Williams won the Oscar for Best Composer, Best Music Composition for Schindler's List. Huh? Because they worked huh. together on that as well. Cool. Yep. 
Yeah. It's a great movie. Dinosaurs are, you know, it's almost an unending trove of subject matter with dinosaurs. There's, I don't think there's anyone on earth who doesn't like a dinosaur. Like who doesn't like a dinosaur? Most kids go through a dinosaur phase. And even if they don't, like who doesn't love to imagine dinosaurs? Yeah. Dinosaurs are great. Having said that, there have been five sequels to this, all... I've seen si- one of them. It's all significantly inferior from either what I've seen or what I've heard. So there seems to be a pretty big problem being able to create a good sequel to this movie. Well, because at some point it becomes like a monster movie, right? Like yeah. just a bunch of jump scares and chase scenes. And yeah, and... that's true. But I think one of the reasons why this one... See, that's where you got to put the thinking person's bend in the movie. That's, I think, what makes this movie is you have that little wrinkle of science and ethics. Yeah, but I think also we are like the like the visitors to the island in this one where we still have that sense of wonder about that's true. That's true. seeing this on the screen, especially if, this, if, especially if you were sitting in a movie theater in 1993 oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and seeing this for the first time. We're like them. And then every movie after that the only way to increase or attempt to increase the wonder is to just throw more dinosaurs and have bigger action set pieces and that has diminishing returns that being said i'm gonna put this out into the universe universe if you could have someone do a movie adaptation of danny and the dinosaur that'd be great oh i don't know why it's never been done i feel like that would be a perfect kid movie like they just did Clifford, they could do the same thing with Danny and the Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. I would see that movie. Who doesn't love a dinosaur? Yeah, or or I think even better. Um, what about Denver, the Last Dinosaur? That was that was good. How about a movie version of that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's got like sunglasses on. And he and... plays the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just putting it out there in the universe. If you're putting that out there, okay, that's fair. All right. So, do you have anything else you wanted to, to bring up here, or should we get, no, get to rating let's this get movie? To rating it. So our our rating system, we our thumbs up is I I don't hate this movie. Thumbs down is I hate this movie. Heather, what are your thoughts? Thumbs up. Everyone loves a dinosaur. You do not hate this movie. I do not hate this movie. And I also don't hate this movie. This is a this classic. is a great this is a great movie. It's this, a modern classic. This is a fantastic movie. Uh, it was a lot of fun watching it again for the first time in a long time. What about uh, what were you going to say? Snack. What about the snack? Uh, I Remind everybody it. what the snack is. It was Dino Egg Oatmeal. I got to give it a thumbs down. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a thumbs down as well. I, I'm not big in like the sugary cereal breakfasty thing. It's too sweet. It, it's essentially like maple cinnamon Quaker oatmeal. Yeah, it's tastes maple like. cinnamon. It's that. With these little hard sugary, you, you describe them as Flintstone yeah, vitamin, Flintstone type vitamin texture, dinosaurs, sugar pieces. Yeah, and um, I got to give it a thumbs down. I'll give it a yeah. I'll I'll give it a. It's not the best. I'll give it a no. I as liked well. it better when I was eight. But thank you for introducing it to me. You're welcome. I would have never known. Absolutely. We would like to thank you all for listening to us today. If you have a suggestion or a comment, please email us at whyihatethismovie at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd appreciate if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Rate us on your podcatching app. We would very much appreciate a review. And we'll be back next week with another movie. Bye. Bye.